Welcome to Women in La Frontera. My name is Brenda Nettles Riojas. On this podcast, I'm joined today by Tiffany Riojas, my daughter-in-law and a new mother. Thank you for joining us, Tiffany. Hello. Thank you for having me. Tiffany, I was inspired to have you on the program, and I know that we had to be creative in scheduling it because your baby... My child. <laughs> my, my first grandchild yeah. is almost three months old. And we've just learned that babies don't like to be alone. So um, it's been a challenge. I'm sure it has been. And so I think it would be good to share some of your experiences with other mothers, Mm -hmm. because I think that I've been so impressed by how the Lord is guiding you on this journey. And particularly when you, you, it all started, I think the seed for this conversation was planted when you sent uh, uh, one of our texts. We're, we're very blessed in that uh, Tiffany sends us on all the grandparents daily photos of the yeah. baby. <laughs> Sometimes reminded per your request, which is a good reminder. So Yes. And in, in, in that, you mentioned uh, there was a beautiful photo of you holding the baby and you said, enjoying the apostolate of holy motherhood. Mm, yes. And I just thought, what a beautiful way to approach it. I confess that when I was young and had first my first child, I was just trying to make it through the day. I did not, unfortunately, think at that time of the sacredness of motherhood and making sure that the Lord was uh, seeing how the Lord had a role and a mission for us. And I love what St. Teresa of Calcutta says, motherhood is a gift of God to women. How grateful we must be to God for this wonderful gift that brings joy to the whole world. And I see that joy in you and it gives me joy to see that. Yeah. So just a comment, I think that motherhood got lost in just all the noise of the world. I think I think that like it was, you know, the 50s, the 60s, that nuclear family where we had sort of like industrial movement in the home where, you know, we got washing and drying machines. We had thing, uh, dishwashers, uh, vacuums and things, making things so much easier that maybe mothers had for the first time in a long time, a lot more time on their hands. I think it was probably this point for women where they asked themselves like, so then what are we going to do? And so then with that, you know, you have the feminist movement and all those kind of things. I think that motherhood just got lost in some of that. And so maybe right now, you know, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you have a lot of periods where the church kind of gets run down or the temple gets sacked or something like that. And God calls certain people to be restorers. And I think that's sort of the time that we're in to be a restoring part of the church. And it's just nice that maybe if we could recognize it, we can really enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, being a new mother, you're struggling with, you know, lack of sleep uh, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to figure out what works best for you and the baby and the family and trying to navigate that. Yeah. But yet I see the joy in you mm. by knowing that this is an important mission for you. Well, I'm just very grateful for the internet. <laughs> With new inventions, you have so many more opportunities for evil, but God also like enters that space. And so I think, you know, we have so much more access to information for the curious heart. And so I was looking, I think I just saw, I think it happened in church one day 
a long time ago in Austin, where I realized our new lifestyles, we don't always just travel with family. If we're if we're moving to Austin or Houston, we're close by, but not so close where it's like, who's going to take my child to piano lessons? And is that going to be me? And well, what if I'm working and I can't? For me, it was my grandma. And so I think I started worrying a little bit and I gave that to God. And I think through that, God kind of brought me to different materials and one that I found, which is like a personal private revelation. It has the imprimatur, but I think there's a few challenges to it, is the apostolate of holy motherhood. And so I I picked it up and I just poured into it. Like I just read it really quickly. It was like, all right, it felt right. Um, started praying for it. I started asking Caesar. I think he was totally like, wait, where is this coming from? But I was like, this, this is important. And, and Caesar, I should say, by oh. the way, is my son, your husband. <laughs> my husband, yeah. And so I think that's when the conversation started. And so I have a few quotes from the book. I don't know if we want to explain please, it a little oh, bit. Please do. So it was actually in Steubenville, Ohio, the Diocese of Steubenville, Ohio, in 1987, that there was a anonymous woman who the Virgin Mary and the baby Jesus uh, referred to as Mary Amante. And they are now deceased, but she said that she was always going to be anonymous. And so some of the quotes are, The holiness I give you will convert others and will bring back others fallen far from me back to me, if you are truly my witness on earth. And you must do all that I tell you now. It is very important that you follow my instructions, as this will be an aid to many in softening their hearts in order to be receptive to such grace. And so I think it was also a message of piety and, and purity. And so it was just one of the things that during these times I feel like is a really strong message that we need today, a, an appreciation for purity and wholesomeness. Right. And you have made the decision, at least in the moment, to stay home with the baby. Yes. And I mean, and you have quite an impressive background. You have a degree in healthcare administration. You've been certified as a teacher. You're a culinarian from the Cordon Bleu and so many other things <laughs> that we could go on and on. Tell me a little bit about that decision that you made. That was, it was hard. I think I had to soften my own heart to it first. I come from what I believe to be strong women. My grandma came to America on her own and my and lived in Brownsville and Harlingen and worked so hard for my own mom. So my mom saw that and my mom apparently knew from childhood that she wanted to be a nurse. I admire that so much. I'm like, how does anyone know? But she so she wanted to be a nurse. So she became a nurse and worked very hard especially while I was growing up. Uh so it was not easy to say, "Oh, I'm going to not work. I think I grew up with a sentimentality of you help your husband, like you both who work, you work very hard. And I think that there is a dollar sign on the things that women do in the home, but that we've lost that understanding. And so I definitely didn't have that understanding. It was like, we're both going to do it equally. And, and but it was just hard to manage, I think. So me stepping down took a long time. And it's not really a stepping down. You're really stepping up. Stepping up. To this apostolate True, true. See, like, even in my heart, it's still hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, fascinating how th what the secular world has done to 
to many of us. I mean, I'm I'm guilty. I wanted to get right back to the workforce. I was concerned about my career. I rushed back. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why I'm so in awe of how you've made that decision to work at home because mm-hmm. it is work. Mm-hmm. I know that we're talking about, oh, well, we decided not to work. Well, but you took, you, you're stepping up to the harder work. Yeah. Of, and, and not everyone can do that and it yeah. takes some sacrifices. But it took a long time to get to that point. I mean, I went to confession and would ask the priests, like, this is what's on my heart. And they say, well, do the math. And it wasn't, we couldn't do it at that time. And so we made our way here. Right. Yeah. I, I like earlier, I think um, when we were talking at a previous time, you talked about it, it was a hundred points that got you to your, to this place where you are right now as a young Catholic mother, mm. wife. Yeah daughter and so many different roles that that women play and so really your journey with the lord has been throughout this pregnancy and even even in choosing a godparent oh yeah tell me about that process because sometimes we we don't always put as much thought into place we just find you know people that we love but well first we were asked to be godparents for Montserrat Gianna Smith in Houston. Ugh, I get so emotional. <laughs> and so it was Alec and Raquel Smith in Houston that we, we met. And I felt like they put a lasso around us. You know, they were like, we're roping you in. We want you to come help us be uh, compa- compadres for our, our daughter. And Caesar and I were shocked and our hearts opened up. And so we said yes. And so we pray for her. So then when it came time for ourselves to have a child, we thought this decision uh, in choosing was going to be very important. And then the history of it, you know, I looked it up and it was like there's in the past, it used to be that you had like a thousand, you could have like up to, a, you know, as many godparents as you wanted, a hundred or something. And then over time, I think it became more practical where it was like, okay, this is who you'll go to if we pass away. And somehow we lost some of that spiritual parenthood. You know, that responsibility as was, godparents to raise the child in the faith, yeah, the Catholic faith, and and again, I think we're just in a time of restoration. So it it was a very important decision, and so we ended up asking my uncle and his wife Aurora, Jesse and Aurora Boykin, to be our our godparents. And it's one because they're strong in their faith, and we know that it would be very important to them as well, but also in the role that they played in our lives. Um, and, and a little bit of that roping in. We want to make sure that we keep them close because they're in San Antonio. We're like, hey, don't go too far, you know? So it's a little bit of that, like making sure we're staying together and keeping the family strong. Right. So tell me a little bit because I, I thought it was so beautiful even how you asked them. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> Presentation is everything. <laughs> you want them to say yes. No. <laughs> so you're like, got to make it, you know. So, yeah, I think I was inspired by my grandma, uh, Prisca Loker, who we, you know, endearingly call Mima. She had a St. Michael statue that she would put all of us. She would have a picture of us, you know, especially if we're in trouble that she thought she would put us in uh, underneath the St. Michael statue and pray for us fervently. And I honestly attribute my coming back to the church to that. So I was inspired by that. So we had a little mini St. Michael statue. And we look at the style of their home and we try to pick something that would complement it so that they could put it in a place out 
so that they don't feel like they need to hide it or anything you know like oh this is nice but i'm gonna hide it it doesn't match so i picked like a gold frame and then we gave them the picture of the ultrasound which we said would be replaced <laughs> as soon as we had actual pictures uh to put in there and then a candle for vigil prayers and one of the prayer cards you gave us that was ornamented of the saint michael prayer so we put all that in there and then of course caesar my husband he's a designer by trade so we both have that artistic flair so we designed the box and that's what it was they opened it up um, and it says will you be my godparents and they were shocked (laughs) yeah so it's really important picking people in your inner circle who will be a part of the baby's life right and we'll take it seriously and you want to pick people who understand the the sacrament of marriage because that's important too so let's talk a little bit about labor and delivery oh yes (laughs) (laughs) the real work (laughs) but you weren't alone no and of course we're never alone the lord is always with us the blessed Mm. mother our guardian angels but you wanted to have a visual representation Mm-hmm. in the labor room yeah so we chose a prayer altar uh it's the virgincita de san juan we had the the mercy chaplet the divine mercy the image of divine mercy and i think a little statuette uh from i think her name is stephanie aquila in houston she makes these little dolls so we had the holy family and that was just, you know, an anchor point that if at any point it got very hard, I could remember who I was joining my suffering to. And I think going back to the quote from St. Jose Maria Escriba, where it's a day, like a day without mortification is a day wasted. So it was like, well, then I'm going to use this. This is that, like, this is the suffering of suffering, you know, so I'm going to unite it to Christ. And this meaning those labor pains. The labor pains, the fear, the, you know, bringing, like, the opening up. And so from the very beginning, from the pregnancy, I actually offered up the pregnancy to Megan. Ugh, I could cry. Because, you know, sometimes there's just hard things, and and it's like, well, then I'm going to do it with gusto, right? Like, let me do this. And it's when you really want something, you're willing to suffer for it. And I think people don't understand that every suffering is that opportunity. It's like you can try to do something with it. Over time, it was like, so what about my labor pains? I offered that to God and I was in church and was inspired by seeing the men in the church. Sometimes I think there's like a little bit of, I miss the Maccabees or is it Maccabees or Joshua where it says, Uh, For me and my house, we serve the Lord. And it's a man, like a strong man, like declaring that for the home. And so I kind of miss some of that, you know, in the church. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to give my labor, you know, the opening of my womb to the opening of the hearts of men. Let the water and and blood flow, (laughs) you know. And so during labor, that's what it became. Um, With each contraction, it was imagining either the men in my lives I think my grandpa was coming up you know and so I was just like with gusto with gusto and and when you have something like that it's not that you're like a is it a sadist or a masochist when you like pain I don't like pain but you're almost like okay lord I want it so much like if there's more pain like that's fine like I want this so much you know and so it just gives it transforms suffering 
Amen. Yeah. I mean, I just look at you and wonder because I remember, I mean, I vaguely remember because it's been so many years. Yeah. Uh, my firstborn <laughs> being your husband, more than 31 years. I was praying, but I don't remember. And I, well, I know for certain I wasn't offering up and thinking how this could help others. Yeah. I was just trying to get over the Get pain. over it. Yeah. So it is very special, though, to consider that our day-to-day pains can be offered up yeah. in mortification, yeah, in prayer for others. Yeah, and God sees it and uses it all. I think the last thing I thought, too, was like any person we're encountering is an opportunity for them to see how faith is lived out. And so it's like, I, not that I don't care or care so much for the midwives who were helping me because I I didn't know them so well. So it's not like my sister, you know, someone I'd pray for very hard, but it was like, well, I care for them as souls, you know? And even then, like they noticed it. They were like, oh, uh, the midwife who served me was British. So she was just like, you're full of faith. You know, you're so strong. You're stronger than you know, girl. And, and it was just like, like, thank you, Lord, for allowing any of this to be witnessed. And so, yeah, it, I hope, you know, there's a seed planted. Absolutely. I think it comes out very clear to me. I mean, I see it. I'm yeah. witnessing it, and it brings me such joy <laughs> to to see this, to be a little part of this, you know, on the sidelines, because you're living it day to day. I mean, as a new mother, the sleep deprivation is real. Yeah. Well, it takes a village, so I'm very grateful that we're in your home. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for the help. And for all that you guys have assisted us, I mean, through prayer and being Catholic yourselves, being a, a, a wonderful role model, I could cry <laughs> all the time, um, you know, and and just being available for God as well, Amen. yourself, yeah. And it does take a village. I mean, you mentioned your grandmother and your mother, and and um, we're so grateful that you're down from Houston and yeah. that you have found a strong Catholic community in Houston. Mm-hmm. And so we're relishing the days that you're here with us as are all the mothers and the grand great grandmothers? Yeah, um, and I don't think we've mentioned Aquinas's my <laughs> son Aquinas Aquinas more Riojas the most adorable, <laughs> uh, the most kissed baby. No, <laughs> we love him a lot. Right, but the, and as a mother though, it's very natural to have fears and concerns for his future. Mm-hmm. Um, so daily, I see that you are offering up in prayer um his well-being and and we're trusting we're trusting in god one thing i think is there have been chastisements but god especially because it's um, i was gonna say god preserves us but it's we're preserving ourselves by going to god and making sure that there are strong catholic families that make it through so that afterwards there's sort of a going to the promised land you know absolutely trying to give them so you're still a new mother. What questions do you have that maybe some of our listeners might be able to, Help. to answer some questions Help. that you might have that, <laughs> that maybe the internet hasn't? Oh, gosh. Well, first, I'm just saying send help, um, send reinforcements, <laughs> any kind of advice. I think right now we are dealing with how to know, I think it's sleep, um, how to get him into a rhythm 
without just following his lead, but not being too, you know, tyrannical in my own authority or something. So it's like, how, where, where's the balance between that? I think that's it. The balance. Excellent. What advice do you have to new mothers? New mothers. You yourself being a new mother. Yeah, of three months. They say ask for help. And when I was told that, I was like, how? How do I ask for help? And I would say just show up. Just show up and ask clearly. You know, humble yourself, I think, because... Sometimes you have those hard relationships and you're like, I don't know if I can go to that person, but a baby softens those hearts, you know? And so show up, just be like, I'm here, I need help. And and they will. They will really show up for you as well. Awesome. Now, the other thing too, before we close, is that the baby is never too young to be catechized. Oh, and I right. know that you started catechizing immediately. Yeah. You even have written a children's book. Oh. <laughs> uh, still in the, I mean, still being fine-tuned. Tell us a little bit about the book and the inspiration for that. Oh, you're so good. I'm like, okay, now I have to finish it. <laughs> um, I have to rise to Lasso. the occasion. I know, I have to rise to the occasion. Um, so here we go. So it's about the virtues and about being a hero and i think right now we're in the age of being bombarded and saturated with all types of hero stories you have marvel dc you know but what is the true hero and it's the person who can live a mundane life and do it well and and be an inspiration for everyone around them and i think we have examples in the saints and i think it's either tolkien or chesterton one of the greats who says like you need to read these stories to your children and make them admire the hero so that's what this is about the virtues because that's how you become one is by learning those strengths so it's the divine virtues and then the card four cardinal virtues yeah and so and he really i mean he's still three months but <laughs> you can almost feel his strength a little bit like you almost admire yeah right and i think though too as you read them to your baby no matter what the age it's reinforcing them in each of us. Mm -hmm. And it calls us to be, to answer to how are we following those mm -hmm. virtues? Yeah. How are we living? It's catechizing and, the parents as well. Yeah. Right. So as right. you catechize your child, you catechize yourself mm -hmm. and you keep it fresh. Because sometimes it's like, oh, I learned it, you know, a few yeah. years ago. And, but are we living it? And actually, so you asked me, like, what's one advice? I have one more. I was like at a dinner and I, I just asked the women very bluntly, like, how do you raise a son? Because I don't, I don't know. And one of the women, I think she saw, looked at my face and she knew I needed to be talked to. So she, she parked, she moved from the other side of the table and parked herself right next to me and just talked. And one of the things that I got from her was her firstborn son had the virtue of justice, which was not like herself. And, and they kind of had different temperaments that would kind of clash. And so she said, just try to recognize the virtues of your children because they could be done well or they can be done poorly. And so she recognized justice in her son and she taught him how to use that and do well with justice instead of trying to just change or oppress or any of those things. It's let's do this well. So that's, that's one more advice is, is look at your children recognize their virtues and try to grow them. What are some virtues that are growing in you these days as oh. a new mom? Temperance, fortitude. <laughs> yeah, I think those are it. 
I think I grew up with a sense of justice, and now I'm trying, honestly, to give that over to God. Yeah, temperance. There's so much more that we could talk about. I know. We could go on and on. I think that family is a blessing and Mm. one that we need to promote and hold tight. I uh, like that you said we're at a time of restructuring Mm. or restoring. Mm -hmm. We're at a time of restoring right now Mm -hmm. our families and walking that faith life together. And, you know, we have the beautiful example of the first holy family, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and we could have so many other, you know, again, the importance of fatherhood and that relationship with your husband. So hopefully we will have you back on the program so that we can talk a little bit more Mm. about these important issues. Yeah. Because that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you, because these were not terms and ideas that I had as a young mother. Mm. I was just so focused on making it through the day. But when we put God first, when we allow him to enlighten that path, mm. it makes a huge difference. And yeah. I, as I said, I can see that. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean that there aren't struggles and that there aren't some dark days of doubt and questioning and lots of tears in between and uh, in the midst of the joys. Mm-hmm. So there's always joys and sorrows. Um, Any closing thoughts that you'd like to add? Because like I said, we could go on and on. I don't think so. Yeah, I would love to come back. Excellent. So on our podcast, we like to close with a uh, Frontera tip. My Frontera tip this week is definitely, if you haven't seen the movie Father Stew, I highly recommend it. Very good. And Tiffany? So I would say look up Our Lady of, it's Our Lady of America, but I think right now she's being referred to as Our Lady of the Immaculate the Immaculate Virgin Patroness of America, just for purity, purity for America. Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's been a real joy. And again, thank you for uh, sneaking in some time because I know <laughs> the baby will be uh, crying soon and needing your attention. And we'll both be there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for setting this up. Very grateful. And thank you for joining us today as well at home on Women on La Frontera. Until next time, let's go and use the gifts God has given us to set the world on fire with God's love and grace.